Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Hi friends, I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about this amazing skincare line that I've been using. It's called Halo Skincare. Their main ingredient is the Nobel Prize winning Epidural Growth Factor or EGF, mixed with marine life and botanicals. Their tagline is meditation for the skin, bringing the inner glow to the face. And you know what, they're not kidding. I immediately saw a radiant glow in my face and after two weeks of using their five-step routine, my pores were visibly smaller, The fine lines around my eyes were plumped and smoothed out, and there was even an improvement with my rosacea. No more flare-ups since I've been using Halo. It's cruelty-free, free of mineral oil, linoleum, or petroleum. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the drastic difference in my eyelids. They're lifted. My skin is firmer, and I have a beautiful, natural glow. And I can offer you a 25% discount just for being a listener of the show. Enter the promotional code PODCAST25, and I will link in the website and the code on the show notes. Now, back to our conversation. Chapter 14, Mompreneur with Paige Johnson. Welcome, everybody, to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. Today, I am joined by Paige Johnston, the founder of Halo Skincare, to talk about her motherhood journey and what led her to create her own skincare line. Welcome, Paige. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for making time for me. Gosh, well, I'm just going to get right into telling you my story, which my story actually led me to do a two-year documentary because a lot of people weren't speaking about the challenges in infertility. And then it led me to being an older mom because of the time it took to have my son And then that led me to being on the Ricky Lake show and um, a few other platforms for fertility. And it was just a, so I'll just start. I actually, it took me, it took me nine years and four losses to have my child. And, um, you know, in the beginning it's, I was getting pregnant and then I would miscarry about week 10 to 13. And had been to many doctors, and we were going through a lot of money. So I would be told, okay, you have fibroids, you need to get those removed. And I found out that I had over 15. So that surgery in itself was challenging because it's it's a myomectomy, which they cut you like a C-section. And, you know, along the way of my journey, I had so many serendipities because um, in this surgery, there was a doctor um, that assisted the doctor doing the surgery. And when you do a surgery, you're covered by a blanket 
like a wall sheet so they don't see your face and they're just focusing on my uterus area. And uh, the doctor actually that was helping, um, it was such a crazy case that I'm down in the books for it, um, that she ended up being my OB and delivering my child. But after um, going to a few doctors and nobody would really tell me what was going on. And at this point had been through over $100,000. And every time we went to buy a home, we would end up, oh gosh, we would have, it would be the day to sign the contract and do all the money. And then I would find out I needed another surgery or my husband needed a surgery. So then we would pull out to buy a home. And I live in California in an area that is, takes a long time unless you inherit money or get, get, you know, you get help, but it takes a long time for a down payment here. So I ended up finally surrendering to being open to other possibilities of having to have a child. And after I was meditating and praying and crying and surrendering, I had in my eyes mind, it's, and, and I know to some people it may sound weird, but it's mostly women. It won't sound weird who listen to this. Right. No, I, I get it. Mine's eyes. Yeah. So my intuition basically showed me this flash of what I needed to, to Google. I opened my eyes from the meditation and I just was prompted and I immediately went to the computer, put it in, and there was this man that owned a fertility clinic, and there was just something kind about him. And the next, so the next day, I had to go to my OB to find out the next step. And I'm sitting there in the office, and I'd been there a lot that month, and never saw this brochure before. And it was a brochure with that doctor's, the same doctor that I Googled, it was his face on this brochure. And I got goosebumps and I grabbed one. And as I get called in, I showed her the brochure and I was like, how do you know him? And she said, oh my gosh, I've been meaning to tell you about him. I have like eight of his patients. He's the kindest doctor and he wins the most, the best bedside manner. And he really has helped so many people, you know, get pregnant. So Sure enough, my husband and I, we go in there and as we're sitting in the office, which wasn't as fancy as all these other offices, it felt like a living room. And my husband and I had that intuition moment again. And we looked at each other and I was like, you feel it? He's like, yeah, I feel it. And my husband goes, this is the doctor. And I go, I know. Isn't that weird? I feel the same thing. And the first time we met, he was all about doing every protocol right away to not waste anybody's time. So we did some tests, but then he listened to my story and he said, has anybody ever done a simple genetic blood test? And I said, no. And he said, well, insurance covers it. And here we had already spent so much money. So we do the test. And of course, the whole time I thought it was going to be my husband that was the problem because I was so healthy and I took care of myself. And I thought for sure, you know, out of anybody in my family, I am all about my ancestry and my genetic background and DNA, all of that. So when I found out I was the one who had the missing gene, I had a genetic issue. And I literally- And you learned this through a simple blood test? Simple blood test that they put through my insurance. Okay. So I, of course, I was devastated and 
I ended up literally falling on the ground in the office and my doctor kind of leans over the desk and he came over. He, he was so, he just humanized everything. He wasn't like all the other doctors. And of course my husband's there with me and he came over, calmed me down. And he said, you know, you said some things to me when I met you and I believe what you believe. So I'm going to break the doctor wall right now. And he said, you said you were born with an intuition gift and you see things and you see souls. And you also said that no matter how you're supposed to get your child, that same soul, whether through you or someone else, it will be that soul that's meant for you. And it kind of stopped me from crying. And I said, yeah, I do believe that. But it wasn't supposed to happen this way. And I had to mourn the loss of how I thought it was going to happen for me. So he said, well, I believe what you believe, and I think we need to still try your eggs, and I will do that for free, but you also need to look into an egg donor if you want to carry your child, and we couldn't afford adoption. Um, Adoption was so expensive. More expensive than fertility? Than than IVF, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so, and at that point, it really didn't call to me, and I actually... It was interesting because as it was at that point that I started filming and I had all these emotions coming through and I told my husband, you know, nobody talks about miscarriages and just everything that I was going through. And now it's more prevalent and it's, you know, I hear more people talk about it. But at that time, I think the only person out there that was really open about it, gosh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, Her last name's Rancic. She's married to Bill Rancic, and she's on E! Entertainment. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. But, and funny enough is our children were born the same day, and we bumped into each other, which is interesting. I, I know who you're talking about, and I'm drawing a blank as Jillian, well. Jillian. Jillian Rancic. Jillian, yes. Yes. So I ended up going through the process of looking for egg donors. And I even went through looking um, at an egg donor agency. And that was very expensive because you have an agency fee to pay. And my doctor actually carried his own egg donors. And then you have no fee there. And we did look through them and nothing really called out to me. And when you get, when you go through this process, you find these, you get the profile. um, They go through a psychological exam. They fill out a form that they, you know, have to answer these questions. So you get the gist of kind of who they are and they provide pictures. So There was one gal that looked very similar to me and reading her profile, it was my gut intuition again. There was one little sentence about her mom that kind of struck a chord like, no, don't pick her. And um, the mediator who does all this, she gave me a look and she can't really say anything, but she gave me a look and a wink like, okay, good choice. So it turned out that I didn't find anybody through them at that point. So I go to the agency, find a few, and I end up, I was supposed to meet one of them. And I'm a very open person, but we're at that point finding this girl. I thought, yeah, I'll meet her. But the day of something, there was a pit in my stomach. And I called my husband and saying, I don't know why, but I don't feel like meeting her. And I feel like it's not my, I don't know. I'm not supposed to go there for my egg donor. Now, my husband kind of 
at this point with my whole intuition. You know, he believes, but yet more so now. But at that time, I think I was driving him a little crazy of like, oh, geez. A little bit frustrated. Yes. Okay. Because he doesn't know what to do. It's my body. He's, he doesn't know how to help me. I find with men, we would get a lot of those questions of, we just feel kind of helpless because it's not their body. Right. right so right. I ended up getting a call from the egg donor agency where that girl happened to be canceling. So I thought, oh, that's funny. I was going to cancel anyways. And I end up calling my doctor's office. Um, the nurse answers. And I said, hey, I just want to check in just to see if there's any more egg donors I need to look at. And she was like, oh, my God, I was just talking about you. And I said, really, what's up? She goes, your egg donor just walked in. She's new. She just filled out her paperwork. And I wanted to call you. And I was like, really? She goes, no, it is crazy how her body's like you. There's so many things, just who she is as a being. So I went and read her profile and it was as if I wrote it. Um, it was her first time being an egg donor. And all along, we kept having these magical moments. So they timed my eggs and her with all the fertility drugs to going in for your appointments. Now, at this point, when we got the price of it, we needed another, we needed about another, gosh, it was over 30000 because of just other things I needed to have done before I carried the baby. And my friends decided to have a fundraiser. And my husband does not like handouts, either do I. But at this point, I was like, okay. So my clients, I do hair extensions as well. And I, some of my clients donated. And then the letters went out. And I had people from all over donating money. And the ones, you know, no matter what the amount was, I was so grateful that people would even do that. Because I got some flack with someone in my family kind of making a comment like, how could you even, you know, ask for accept money like that when there's people dying of cancer? And um, I ended up, and it wasn't a mean comment. They didn't mean it mean. And I just figured I had this, why I'm doing the documentary to educate. Right. So people can see the emotions and how it's just a, it's a, it's a horrific process and not a club that I I don't think anybody wants to be in. So I ended up getting this donation of $12.46. It was something like that. And it was from a girl that was 12 years old and was an IVF kid. And she heard about my story at her church and she made keychains and that's what she made. And she sent it to me. And I, I mean, I just was so emotional over that. But once I found out I had to do the whole egg donor and I, the amount of money I needed, I really needed a two big chunks. And I have in my fan, in my, it's hard to talk about this because I don't know who's going to listen to this and I'm sure people will understand, but I probably, um, well, yeah, if you share your story, it's going to resonate with somebody and it's going to help somebody because maybe there's somebody out there that wants to be a mother and feels yeah. the calling in her soul and doesn't know how to go about it. So hearing your story, right. not so much receiving handouts, but other people saying, you know, I want to help you with your right. goal of being a mother. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. And, you know, I needed to hear that because. It's true. I, you know, when I went, went through the process, I was all about why don't people speak up? And now that it's been, I, you know, 
now that I have a son, I'm just kind of like, kind of reverted back in. But there was family that had a lot of money. And I knew, because of my intuition, what I see, they had helped another family member, and yet not us. And there's were related. And that was very hard for me, because I knew that them remodeling something or buying a car or whatever, you know, that's their prerogative. But it was, I, I kind of had my, my mind like, but if they could just help and why are they helping, you know, the other family member and not us. And so I got really caught up in that and it, where it, it hooked me. And so I was in the, I went driving one morning thinking about this and knowing how much money we needed and I was just crying, crying, crying. And now I like to drive and vent. So right. um, I happened to approach a light and I glanced at the clock and it said 10.51 in the morning. And for some reason, I calmed down and I kind of had that moment again of surrendering again and just saying, okay, God, I know there's something bigger in me knowing that that's going to happen. I don't know how, but I need to trust. And I think I keep thinking that it's going to happen this way and it could very easily. And they're not even donating that you got to show me another way because I, this is so much bigger than myself. So I go back home and I went to check my emails and at 10 51, I had an email from one of my clients saying she wanted to upfront me $16,000. Wow. And now mind you, I still needed another 30. So the fact that that happened and the way it happened, I correlated the surrender part, but it was an authentic surrender. And of course I cried and I was like, okay, and we were going to, I was going to do a trade and pay her back. And so jump to, I needed that more money. And I had another cry fest because I found out for sure that this family member had not only they were going to pay for another's IVF and egg donor, all that, but also a a nice home that was over a million. And I was very happy for the other people, but I just, I couldn't put my brain around it. I felt, um, why, why not me? And, And I kept thinking, am I bad? Did I do something wrong? And I really took it out on myself. So I surrendered again and I blessed them and, and, and they're not wrong for doing that. They have their own reasons and they're very lovely people. So I let it go and I got done crying and I was driving again and I get a call from one of my clients and she always texts me and I thought something's wrong. And I picked up the phone and she's, and she, by the way, this client had already donated $2,000. So she gets on the phone and she says, you know, I, I read your letter, your fundraiser letter. And I was like, really? You shouldn't have gotten it. You already donated. She goes, well, no, your friend sent it to me. And I was like, oh. And she said, you know, Paige, I have known you for over 10 years and you never complain. You're always positive. You're so loving and you have so many challenging things around you and you're, you're just a glass half full. And I was like, oh, thanks. And she goes, I just never realized when I read in the letter, your path is so horrific. Like, I can't believe that you didn't have a breakdown or, you know, some people would get suicidal and, and she knew of everything we dealt with besides fertility. So she said, so, you know, 
I, um, after I read your letter, I opened my emails and I forgot I had a Schwab account. And I said, yeah. And she goes, please don't say no, because I know you don't like to take money, but I really want to do this. And I know, you know, you can pay me whatever you're comfortable with, but I don't want you to start paying me back till your baby's born, like after he's three years old, because you're going to need every penny to take care of him. And I was like, oh, now she did not know what I needed. And she said, my Schwab account that I forgot about is $30,000. And I was silent and we're, you know, I started crying. She was crying and I was able to proceed. And um, I always call her the producer of my son, <laughs> like mm -hmm. a movie. Um, so, but we filmed this whole process and, you know, we had amazing miracles all along the way of um, even when my son well, once I picked my egg donor, by the way, the first time we did a transfer, um, there was some mess ups on from the egg donor and she felt horrified that she messed up. And we didn't know if the cycle was ruined um, of the, her little follicles. So she had to go back the next uh, another day because she was off with her cycle. And here we were being timed. So they took my uh, follicles. And my husband, you know, did the, you know, the sperm and then he had to go back the next day. And I was like, oh, two days, <laughs> you know, having to give your little sample. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day he goes, I'm at home and he texts me and he says, hey, we had seen this guy in the process of being at the doctor's office. And we kind of, we knew she, that our egg donor was engaged. And we, we started putting it together like, this is her fiance. And so my husband was left alone in the waiting room with him and wh why they were retrieving her follicles, eggs, or whatever, how someone wants to, you know, think of them. Okay, and yeah, because I wasn't sure what the difference was. So it's it's the same? Yeah. Follicles and eggs? Okay. Yeah. So it's really, yeah, the follicles grow and then, yeah, then they're eggs that they take out. So my husband's saying, this is the guy, what should I do? And being that we didn't know that her eggs were going to be any good because of the timing, she messed up with the medication. I was like, you better talk to him and tell him our story because maybe they'll have a heart and do it again. And we don't, and we only had enough money to do one, this one round. So did they only agree to do it once? Uh, yeah. Cause you, we, you know, she, we hired her for just the one round and if okay. it doesn't work, then you got to pay her another, like a new egg donor. I don't know what it is now, but seven, eight years ago, it was a new don egg donor would be $5,000 just for her fee. And then you add on lawyer fees and medications and you pay for insurance and all that. And when you pick an egg donor, actually, that has had successful births, her rate goes up. If she has, uh, let's say, uh, uh, sorry, degrees or um, masters, PhDs, that kind of thing, usually she's worth more because people, you know, they want that genetic and whatever is important to somebody. Right. Okay. So she was, yeah. So um, anyway, so it was the, just the one round. And uh, so my husband looks at the guy and they do the guy nod and the guy says, Hey, are you the recipient? And, er and my husband, Eric says, 
Yes. So then he told him basically what had happened to us. And we lost a few babies and he was like, oh, wow. So she's going to, you know, she's going to be blown away to hear how she's helping someone because it was her aunt that couldn't have children. And that's why she wanted to do it. So she ends up the whole time the doctor comes by and sees that the guys are together and they're supposed to keep us apart. Um, And the doctor looks in, sees them and walks out and let it happen. So, um, but along the way, I was getting told through via text, um, oh, we have 23 eggs. Um, oh, now we have 24, 25, 26. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Because the more eggs you have, then the higher of a chance to get to a good embryo. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a, we got 29 eggs. Wow, that's a lot. It is, is that a, a lot. lot. Yeah. That's a lot, Yeah. So later that day, the manager who runs the clinic calls me and sa- you know, tells me the official news and for me to come in because they want to do it official. And um, I see her and she said, Paige, I, I don't know what your husband said, but obviously they know your story now. And I'm very glad that Dr. Sadat left them alone because it's to your benefit. And I go, why? And she goes, she was in tears that she messed up. And she said that if you don't get a baby out of this, she will do another round for free. And we all were looking at each other like there are just so many miracles all along the way uh, that I was floored. So they do the first transfer and it didn't work. So we right away, my doctor said, I don't believe in waiting. Let's just get, you know, prep your uterus again and let's do a frozen transfer. Can I ask you how many did they transfer at a time? Yeah. So the first time we transferred four, I only ended up getting two eggs and they didn't even look good because my, my doctor wanted to put in mine and hers at the same time just to give, just in case mine uh, worked because he's, and he's not a, a lot of doctors, if they don't look right, they still won't put them in, but he said, for yours, we're just going to do it because I've seen them write, write themselves genetically. So I, um, I also was doing acupuncture, which increases your chances by um, 30%. I don't know what that percentage is now, but then it was. And I also found a, uh, I was going to a top university for uh, people to get their acupuncture license. Uh, Yosan University in Marina del Rey and the person working on me I had found these other herbs I was taking their herbs and let me just cut to the reason my genetic issue causes my eggs to basically get older and in the babies I, I was getting pregnant with had Turner syndrome so I had this missing gene and Turner syndrome I don't even know how to describe Turner syndrome it's not Down syndrome but they do look a certain way and there's different level degrees, but survival of the fittest and my body took care of it. It just wasn't healthy. But what I, part of miss, a missing gene causes your FSH, uh, follicle stimulation hormone, and you want your number to be really low. And so at my age, all when I was going through this, I was in my 40s. And if you really want your number to be a 10 at that point. Now, when you're in your 20s, your level's like a two or a three. That means you're really fertile. So 
my level was 28 and I had done massive search, um, to make the best of, you know, when, if they're going to use my eggs, what can I do to make it the best? And this is what I loved about Dr. Sadat is that all these other doctors looked at me like, is if I said, well, God came down and said, to, look, and told me to do this. And they would, so they would look at me like I was crazy. And I would talk about my intuition or I found these herbs and I researched, you know, if you eat certain foods and take supplements in 90 days, you can change your eggs. And a lot of people don't know that. Right. So I found these herbs and doc and rather than poo-pooing everything, Dr. Sadat was like, I will support whatever you want. And he would do some research with me. So I ended up finding, um, it's called IVF um, herbal support. And if anyone Googles that, they'll find it. And I worked on my FSH to lower that. And I took their herbs and I watched, I took out plastic out of my diet. I was hardcore and I ate organic. I got acupuncture, everything. Well, my number of my FSH dropped to a 10. And I did that in three weeks, which wow. is unheard yeah. of. So, or in a cycle, I did that. And I also took, uh, I had also bought implant herbs. So it supplies blood to your uterus. Now the first transfer, I didn't use those. I was really scared. I wanted to do everything the way they told me to do it. And then it didn't work. So the second round here, I had the implant herbs and I was like, you know, I told my doctor and he's like, it can't hurt. So I did it. And I did that help. I don't know. But all I know is when I've referred people to these herbs, I've heard of seven people already have success of implant and a baby. So who knows? You know, well, it sounds like it works. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's interesting because the, when I went to the university for the acupuncture and the herbs they gave me, the lady who had my case said, uh, I don't, we were emailing and she said, Hey, can I just call you? She didn't want any, any emails, um, to be traced anything written because she can get in trouble. And she said, I researched where you're about the herbs you told me, and it's the best quality that I've seen. So I highly advise you get those rather than the ones we have. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, at least she was honest. That's great. I know. I was really lucky. So I ended up at that point doing the frozen transfer. And some of the videos actually are on YouTube. And I think it's under Eric and Paige. If they just put my name, Paige Andre or Paige Johnson, they'll find me. Um, and I have some videos that's unedited of going in for acupuncture before my frozen transfer. And it was a basket case. And I wanted to film it because nobody shows it. And we were fighting in the car and he's got emotions. I've got emotions. You know, men usually show it in anger and women cry and the whole time, I just thought that, you know, the, the mother effing, you know what? I was so pissed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so we go into the acupuncture and I'm like, oh, just a basket case. And the guy goes, well, it shows an anger or tears. And my, you hear my husband on the video. Okay, well, we've covered all that. <laughs> so um, they do the transfer. At this point, I was 44, and this was in December, and it was right. I was supposed to find out Christmas Day, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to know because one of it's bad. Right. And um, I mean, at that point, every time I got on the phone with a doctor or nurse, your numbers or whatever, it was always bad news. So I ended up taking a test the day after, 
And of course, Christmas Day being with my family, my sister-in-law's mom, who was like a second mom, she's now passed, but she, man, she always had a great intuition. And she just looked at me and she goes, you're pregnant. And I'm like, how do you know? She goes, I've never been wrong. And I'm like, okay, you're, you know, your lips to God's, I don't know, what's that saying? God's, to God's ears. Yes. From your lips to God's ears. Yeah. And so I took the test the next day. And of course we, I was flipping out. And then um, a few days after that, I needed to go to the doctor, but it wasn't time yet. And I went to the acupuncture for my follow-up and you're supposed to definitely do a little walking, but take it easy. And I didn't realize walking to my acupuncture there and back was a mile. I, it, it was so, to me, it was so close. And, um, I got home and I was bleeding and of course I was freaking out and acupuncturist was like, put your legs up, called my doctor. And my doctor said, you know, I'm not concerned because you're, we got your blood back and your levels are that if, is if you have triplets. Now the second transfer, when they went to put, uh, I had to pick how many embryos and, um, I chose four and the doctor and the, um, embryologist he's the guy that gets it prepared hopefully I'm saying that correctly but they all looked at me I'm like in a room of men and they're looking at me like I'm crazy that's right because the first transfer I did my two and one of hers that's what I did so it was three well I said I I'm looking at them they show you a picture and uh, I go I'm putting in four I'm putting all of them in and my husband's like well really what if, you know, your, your uterus can't handle it? What if you, and he went, obviously to say, what if you have to eliminate? And I said, and you know, my doctor was concerned too. And, but he knew at this point, do not mess with my intuition. And I looked at him, I go, now you guys are questioning me really. And my husband kind of put his hands up he goes, you're right. You're right. Okay. And, uh, so after I went to, after I was bleeding and he said, this is if you have you know, triplets. Um, I, my husband was freaking out, but I was like, I'm not going to worry. I don't know. I'm, we're all going to be fine. So once they did the, we, we went in for the ultrasound, there was one. So when I went through this and being an older mom, you then get, you know, I have to go to a specialist up until week, no, up until day 21. Um, and you're still not in the clear. They look at, they have this ultrasound and it's so detailed. Of course, it's inside. And when he did that, he showed me, he said, do you see this little spot by your um, kind of your the canal, like on the bottom of your uterus? And he's I, and you could see this weird line, this weird little strip mark. And the baby was right above that. Cole, his name's Cole. He, he was planted right above it. So I was carrying really low. And he said that at line are the embryos that actually attached. and they slipped off. He, he too believed in God's will and all that. He goes, for them to do that, at that point, you definitely had some strong pregnancy. So the fact that you just have one, he was pretty shocked it was just one. Um, but yeah, so I had a great pregnancy. I ended up getting edema, which is where you're really swollen. I am five feet and normally 95 to 98 pounds. And I stopped weighing, my doctor would weigh myself, would weigh me, but I got, I passed 170. 
And I was so huge that he couldn't even turn around. And I, because I was a high risk older mom, they automatically want to do a C-section. So we got to pick our date of the C-section. And when I arrived, I guess they, they were checking my pulse and monitoring. And I actually was having contractions and I was like, Oh, this is not fun. My doctor came in my mom. Now my mom was there too. And my mom was a nurse back in the day. And she saw my vitals and she got really like white and faint. So here I'm going through, I guess my vital, my blood pressure was over 195. And they were like, holy cow, we need, they pushed my C-section up. And um, so my doctor came in and he goes, well, she goes, you, you know, perfect timing. The way to get rid of it is to get the baby out and you're preeclampsic. And I was like, oh, but two days prior, I wasn't. So um, I was very fortunate to go in right away. And um, the anesthesiologist pretty much controls the room. And they saw the cameras and he came in to prep me. And he's like, so what's what's this? What's all these cameras? Or the way the camera was. He knew it was a kind of, it wasn't like an iPhone. So mm-hmm. we told him our story a little bit, what we were doing. And he just, I, I guess he was known for not letting any, like even film crews to come in. Because there's just, it's a legal thing. And we didn't sign anything. He just said, all right, I don't see anything. I just ask you to turn off the camera or point it down when they're cutting. You know, don't film that part. So they let him in. And it was the most amazing. I don't have, did you have a C-section? No, I've had all my babies uh, vaginally, but uh, I've, I've seen C-sections. Yeah, so I... When I, um, of course, when they give you the meds, it really, it feels amazing. <laughs> right. It takes all the pain away. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, um, but once they went to take him out, uh, it was like this pressure of relief. Um, and inside, and, you know, I, I should see if it's still on, um, the birth, my, we did post it. So I should see if it's still on YouTube, but my face looks so stoned but inside, I was so like, I felt so expressive. <laughs> and then on the outside, it just, I was kind of blank. You know, I even looked at my anesthesiologist because you get a little loopy. And I looked up at him and I go, oh, you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. And in the meantime, everybody's looking at you thinking you look so beautiful. Oh, my God. I felt like I was so, sw- you know, my lips. I don't know if this has happened to anybody out there, but... I never knew of anyone going through this. I had a lot of people ask me if I had lip injections because my, my edema, I got so swollen. My lips were so huge right. that I was fumbling over words. <laughs> I had but, a cousin who had that and her lips were very, very well shaped. Oh, see, okay. That makes me feel better. Yeah. And I had my right eyelashes fell out, which was interesting. They came back, but yeah, so we ended up delivering and he was eight pounds four ounces pretty big baby huge baby and they had a hard time getting him out but it was you know as interesting as the scar I had a scar from that myomectomy I had and sure enough that doctor said so even though I did a very good job stitching you back then um you know you get scar tissue she you know she's like I'm gonna fix that up for you which was nice I stopped breathing after that and that wasn't fun but um, I was ended up being allergic to a, I guess, the magnesium they gave me. Oh, okay. So you 
literally stop breathing. They had to do resuscitative measures. Um, well, no, my dad was there. So my throat closed and everything. And then my the nurse was just talking where I was started turning blue. And thank God for my dad. My dad was like, pay attention, pay attention. And then they immediately gave me something um, that brought me back. So I, I definitely. To counteract it. Yeah. Um, that was a very scary feeling. But um, so it wasn't easy at all for you. No, but it, you know, I loved being pregnant and I, I was very fortunate that I loved it. And, and you I, were able to enjoy it. Oh, yeah, because I've, I've met people that didn't enjoy it, unfortunately. And it was, you know, it's the typical the last month you're so big and uncomfortable. But, um, you know, after I had him, he was so big that when they finally put him in my arms, it was weird because, you know, so actually at my eighth month, that's when I was on the Ricky Lake show. And I talked about my story and a lot of what I had just told you. But at this point, they actually had an after show that they had me come back. And I was telling the producers, I go, well, I'm going to talk about what a lot of people don't talk about. And she was like, what is that? And there's a lot of producers on the show. And I just said, you know, I first time I saw him, you know, for well, for my husband, it was instant. And for me, it was like just this foreign thing. I couldn't believe it. I also, you know, I didn't even realize I had postpartum and you're exhausted. I didn't have any of that euphoric of, oh my God, it was just complete exhaustion and always irritable. And then also looking at him like he's huge and all these other moms on the floor had these tiny, tiny babies. And, you know, I'm such a tiny person. You put him in my arms, you looked big. So I, I had this kind of sadness where I, why aren't I feeling, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, so I ended up talking about that and the after show is done online and they film me, but we can't see them. And then a lot of people tweet in or they, you know, chat in and um, their system crashed. So they had a record uh, amount of people who were admitting to this. So Cole's actually going to be seven Thursday. So it's such perfect timing of this interview because it's just seven years ago. A lot of people weren't even talking about those feelings that as much as I wanted him, I wasn't feeling this connection. And it, it, over time it grew and thank God for a lot of those producers. They, this one producer, she had four kids and she said, Uh, one she was connected to right away and the other's not. And it took, she says one took over a year. The other one took two years. It was like this, you know, we don't know why, but it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I loved him obviously, but I took me over a year to really be like, oh my God, like that, uh, that unbelievable in love and where you just want to cry. Right. Like you love him so much. It hurts like a little kitten. You just want to squeeze it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So after that, though, my. What did uh, you do about your postpartum? Well, you know, I my mother-in-law, my husband's mom said to me one time, do you think you've got postpartum? And she was so good about being gentle about that. And I was so pissed. She said that, though, of course, on the outside, it was really nice. But I went to my mm-hmm. husband and I'm like, I can't believe she said that. And. Then I had to really look at myself. And what happened was after it was almost a year, a complete year, I 
had this like pop in my head, this like awakening of, I finally went back to myself. And it wasn't until I realized, you know how your perception changes with situation and you're like, oh, wow, I really was that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I think because I was starting to get a little more sleep that I realized, huh, because I had depression years prior and it wasn't like depression that I had. It was Uh, something different this time. Yeah. And I, my doctor the whole time was, so how are you feeling? And because I didn't feel like I wanted to die being so depressed years prior, because it wasn't that feeling, I thought, oh, I'm fine. I just figured it was normal. So I really encourage people that, you know, if you just don't feel like yourself and you think it's just tired, if you need to go be on something, go be on something. I mean, whatever you have to do. After a year was up and I told my doctor, she said, you know, it's better to be a happy mom and not worry about breastfeeding because you want to have that clean, positive energy for your child. I just, I didn't realize that I wasn't enjoying it. I mean, I just thought it was just part of it. But once that, once I started feeling better, I really, I kind of got myself back and I was like, oh, wow. So were you breastfeeding as well? And and you, you weren't feeling that connection? Um, I was breastfeeding and I actually told myself because there's the La Leche lady that comes by in the hospital and I had a lot of friends who are all about the breastfeeding and, you know, explaining a lot. And, and I had been through so much trying to have him that I said, I'm just not going to get in trouble with myself. I'm going to do what I want to do when I feel like it. And I'll just, I'll know when I'm at the hospital. Sure. And I mean, he latched on and I actually had a La Leche lady try to tell me what to do. And I needed to feel it myself. And I don't remember it, but my husband said, um, oh, you looked at her and you said, get the fuck away from me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, you don't seem to be that type of person. <laughs> yeah, I do have this. I definitely have a side of me. But okay. um, I, I, you know, I don't like to I don't like to be like that. That's for sure. Right. But yeah, that's goes to show you. I definitely have those hormones and the nurse the actually the nurse, I told the nurse, I'm like, Oh my God, I just told her to F off. And she goes, that's normal. We've heard that before. So I was like, okay, I'm really sorry. So they're used to it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So I felt terrible, but we, um, Oh my gosh, I, I was just going to go with the breastfeeding as long as I could. And I loved how in sync my son and I were. And I thought, okay, I'll do it you know, for the first month and then it went to a second month and then I went all the way to almost seven months, almost eight, I think. And it was a natural, like he stopped wanting it and I stopped producing more and and that was it. But I was shocked that I lasted as long as I did. And, but that experience in itself, that was, um, that was the most painful thing to get used to. Did you breastfeed? I did breastfeed. Um, I have five kids and my first one, I completely failed. There was just no help. And my second one, I didn't realize I was passing on gas to her because I was lactose intolerant. And my third one, they told me until six months and that's it. And that's all I did. My fourth one did not want to give it up. (laughs) She breastfed for two full years. And then my last one, only lasted a year and she self-winged. She was like a year and three weeks and I'm done. And that was it. She left wow. me full. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. 
Well, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. I thought just, you know, just to get the good stuff out in the beginning. And I was so glad I lasted as long as I did. And we were on the same page because a lot of my friends said that, you know, they, they missed it and the sadness of, you know, or it was hard to wean them off that kind of thing. So I didn't have to go through that. So, but you know, we were very fortunate and he was a very easy baby and he still is an, you know, typical, like cries of tired and hungry. Right. But other than that, I, we always said how blessed we were because, and are, he's such a sweet kid. And, you know, we wanted another one and we had leftover embryos and we did try and we had two more chances. Um, because even though you get, we had 28, 29 eggs, they all don't fertilize. Right. So, um, it's crazy that you can get all those and it goes to show you that it's why miscarriage is so common. It's more common to miscarry than to actually have a child from what I've read and been told. But yeah, so we tried and I it was pregnant for a second and it just wasn't growing. And which, you know, it actually I thought I'd be fine because I already have coal and I have it, you know, it's like, well, at least I'm a parent. And I I had a whole other realm of emotions around that. It brought up all the stuff we went through. I had a lot of trauma. I actually went to a trauma therapist and I advise a lot of people to go because I never properly mourned the babies I lost because I was so on task to get a baby that it was after he was a few years old, um, like five. So more than a few, I was in therapy and, um, realized I never mourned those babies and it was deep. It was the, just these emotions that came up that I had no idea and they just released when they wanted to release. But yeah, so, and we've, you know, we've actually talked about foster to adopt and we are still looking into that, but I just don't know if my heart can handle bringing in and getting attached, even though I'd be helping just if I couldn't go ahead and keep the child, you know, doesn't have to be a newborn, you know, if anything, if we did it, it would be closer to Cole's age. So it, um, it's really not like, yeah, like not like starting all over again. Right. Okay. But, um, but I actually, you know, from fertility, um, having this missing gene, it caused me to go into early menopause and that caused my body to, um, my skin to react and to the meds. I got hyperpigmentation, like on the side of my neck, which was weird. And, um, on the side of my face and it actually, ha- I found that it happened more after I got done breastfeeding and then that's when my body was starting to, and I was regular on my cycle, but then once when it started, your hormones started regulating and finally coming yeah. on, did you say that you were trying to do fertility for nine years? Uh, well, we tried having, uh, naturally for, uh, gosh, right. Naturally for four and four or five and then a few years we would we were doing you do clomed and then we would do artificial insemination and then I'd take a break and then I would do it again you know then we tried natural again and then and I actually was getting pregnant naturally but anything that I attempted wasn't working and then that's when we had to go we found out what was going on with me okay, um, but it, it all had to do with your hormones being so off balance and then I've heard that after you breastfeed it takes another like six to 12 months for your hormones to regulate. Yeah. You you believe that was going on with your body and your skin? 
Oh, absolutely. And then, um, so this missing gene that I have, it also causes you like thyroid issues, which I've had, you know, finding out this issue also answered a lot of questions about myself. And I also was really ticked at the insurance because if I was born this way and other people are born with certain things and insurance covers them, why aren't I covered? So I had to go down that insurance. I, I fought a lot with it. And there's actually a lot of great options out there to help people with fertility that I actually haven't spoken about it in so long, but I used to be so great at speaking about it. But if anybody is looking, resolve.org is amazing. And I'm going to any fertility planet. If they go to fertilityplanet.com, I spoke on a panel there a few years ago at UCLA and they have advocates to help you with insurance and ways to have your uh, fertility covered. So, but I, Obviously, I'd already been through it. So well, thank you for mentioning it, though, so that somebody, if anybody needs it, yeah, they can look into it. Yeah. So but I ended up, you know, with uh, the whole skin thing. I never I never meant to have a skincare company. And after my skin was kind of just being weird with the pigmentation, I actually had met uh, a woman who was a formulator back in the day. She was in retirement and um, she basically said, Oh, try this, this will help you. Well, let me just back up a little bit. Because just like my instinct, having my son, and that led me to the doctor, it led me to the path to getting him. I also had the same intuition hits inside my, I call it my CSO, my my, uh, chief spiritual officer. I listened, I was driving, it's always happens when I'm driving. And I was driving and I thought of skincare and I thought, why? I'm not even an esthetician. What's up with that? But I am known for no matter what happens to me in life that I speak about it because I I live it and I go through it. And I'm kind of the, you know, the advocate, which is why I did a doc, you know, filmed myself with fertility because I wanted to expose how it was all done and expose what happens with the fertility drugs too, which a lot of people don't know. Sorry, I kind of jumped, but the fertility drugs that a lot of these fertility doctors get kickbacks from the fertility meds. And we should be able to get our fertility meds from any pharmacist, because if we did, those those meds would be cheap. And right. instead, a lot of people are going to Canada and other parts of the world to try to get a discount. So when I found it, I had a pharmacist come forward that would give me my thyroid medicine and we blackened him out and morphed his voice. So when we, we will edit it in. And he exposes them. And he says, good thing is, is your doctor isn't on the list of getting a kickback. And I'm like, that didn't shock me because he's so ethical. But um, yeah, so a lot of them get kickbacks on those meds. So that all that being said, I, you know, if anyone tries to take me financially or they're not, I, I get it. People need to make money. But I kind of felt the same way in the beauty world. I knew how much. Uh, because doing hair extensions, I also did some doctors who were aesthetic doctors, and I saw the prices of what filler was and Botox and skincare, what it really costs for a jar. I learned a lot about it. And when in, I was driving that day and thought about skincare, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of just let it go. And then it was right after that, after I got out of my car, I met this lady. And I even thought, wow, I was just thinking this. So she gave it to me. I tried it and my mom was staying with my husband and I, and I tried, did it at night. And then the next day I woke up and my husband said, are you sure you didn't see 
your client that does filler. Are you sure you didn't get filler? And I'm like, I swear to God, I didn't get filler. And then my mom looked at my face and she goes, go look at your face. And it was definitely fuller. And I was like, huh, there's something different. So I bought more products from her. And I thought, well, if this is for real, I'm just not going to tell anybody. So for four months, I didn't tell anybody. And I noticed that some of my pictures on Facebook, I started noticing how my pigmentation was going away. And whatever I was doing to my face, I was like, oh, dear Lord, I need to do my neck and my chest because they weren't matching. So I knew it was working. And then people were asking me, um, what are you doing? Who's your doctor? Or, you know, what app are you using? What uh, filter are you using? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, know if we had, like, back then, I don't think we had filters, really. I don't not, think. Not really, no. Yeah. So, um, but it did look like I had a filter. But, yeah, so I ended up, my friends wanted some. And I thought, huh. And I was kind of looking to make some passive income. And I'm very, I'm a huge entrepreneur. So my brain starts going. And I thought, wow, um, this formulator is behind some really big lines back in the day. And my friend who was an esthetician and the doctor, aesthetic doctor that I would do her hair, looked at the ingredients and said, do you even know what you have here? And I said, no. And then they were like, oh, it stacks so nice. And I thought that sounded funny. <laughs> and um, kind of sounds like a woman is stacked or something. And I was <laughs> like, okay, what does that mean? And, and off I was to learning terminology, to studying. And the main ingredient, so it's botanicals and marine life, and it's very clean and it's very high source. And she ended up, you know, I found the labs. And so I go through the labs now. And I was so blown away how ethical and, you know, the standards and where they get certain products, they get, you know, they try to source it the best place. And it's not just one lab. I have three different labs that I pull everything together. I ended up having to learn about EGF, which is epidermal growth factor. And after I had already pulled the trigger and purchased gallons to label this and to make it mine, it was my mom that the whole time was sitting on this information. And she said, oh, EGF. I used EGF when I was a burn nurse. I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, it makes sense why this all works. And my mom's just so quiet about things. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Mm -hmm. So my mom was a nurse at the burn ward for kids and, and other people. But when I was researching EGF and who Stanley Cohen is a gentleman who won the Nobel Prize for it. And it was then later was brought into uh, skincare. So when it's brought into skincare, EGF is a, it's a protein and it's like a catalyst for a natural healing, uh, uh, the process for like skin cells and help skin divide naturally. So you have that youthful kind of plumping skin. And when you combine it with botanicals and the marine life, then you're getting a, a more of a, a whole uh, treatment. So it aids in like circulation, it balances your tone. And I, I saw my, my pigmentation starting to go away. So when I started adding peels, she started giving me these peels that she would mix. You know, I had tried glycolic from an, an esthetician that was 50% and it wasn't getting rid of my pigmentation, but yet she gave me her mixture um, that I now have now. And it was 10% of glycolic, but it was what was mixed with it. And she you know, it was just jerking my skin different. So 
I apprenticed with her as long as I could, and I'm still learning, but I wanted to launch this because the vision I got was if I can take a percentage of it and donate it to a family that's being challenged like we were financially with fertility. I'm a huge advocate for uh, suicide prevention and mental awareness. And my husband is actually a trauma coach, kind of like a life coach. And he's been in the drug and rehab world for a long time. And I myself am sober for a while, for a long time. And I believe in mental awareness. So we actually team up with a few people. We ran a campaign for suicide prevention for Melissa de Arabian from uh, Food Network. She did $10 meals. And that's her platform because her mother committed suicide. The Mending Kids, which is with Dorothy Lucy. Uh, she was on Good Day LA and it helps get um, help for kids. And anyone really, I've done a few where, uh, gosh, I'm just trying. There's been a, quite a few. Like if somebody teams up with me, I usually find out what's their cause because I want to give back because so many people gave to us. Right. Um, another thing we did with the skincare is, you know, when I did my research on how to price this, I looked at the competitors and I was shocked um, that there's actually an EGF product that's a serum and a cream and it's $1,430. It's around there. And yet my clients were using that when that my hair extension clients. And then when I labeled mine, they tried mine and they had better results. So I wanted to price it lower just so more people can enjoy it. Right. So yeah, it's just been a definitely uh, a process, but I am, I just love giving back and you actually, I gave you a code. So if anybody wants a discount. Yeah, we have a code for podcast 25. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. When I used it, I thought, okay, I was just out of the hospital. I had um, a health scare that led me into the hospital for four days and I was just being pumped full of medication the whole time. And when I came out, I suffered from rosacea and I know that I have inflammation and that's actually what landed me in the hospital was because I have inflammation of the lining of my heart and of my heart. Oh. And so I saw my skin. I'm like, oh my God, I used to get compliments on my skin and lately it's just been um, not as beautiful as it used to be. So when I received the product, it was, I, I didn't get a chance to use it until after I got out of the hospital. And so I was using it and I'm like, well, I don't know if I see a difference. I can't tell. Obviously, there was an immediate glow and there was plumpness, but I, I couldn't tell because I thought it was swollen. So yeah. I took the before and after pictures and um, I'm not very good at taking care of myself. So I was only using it once a day. I can only imagine if I would have been using it twice a day, like it's recommended and you're like you're supposed to do it. Yeah. But when I took the before and after pictures, you know, you saw on my Instagram, it was dramatic. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's dramatic. My face looks lifted. My eyelids look lifted. You know, my pores went smaller. There was an improvement in my rosacea. There wasn't any flare-ups. I was like, wow, this is incredible. If yeah. you don't do the before and after picture, you know, you're going to miss it. You kind of don't know. And I wouldn't have known if my husband and my mom didn't say something to me and then people kept telling me because we're so critical of ourselves, but right. it's also why we did the trial kit. Um, because one, I didn't want, I wanted people to be happy. So you can try the trial kit and then it's enough for, you know, two weeks. Some people make it last longer, but you know, I send a welcome letter to 
you have to do a before picture because you really won't see it until you, and it's good to do one at day three, five, seven, and 14, if you, if you can. And when people have done that, I, you know, it was actually a lady who did day three and she sent it to me and she was like, is this for real? And that's when I was like, okay, people need to do it day one and day three, because it starts happening fast. And when you start using it for a long term, it's amazing at the results. There's a gentleman is on my brochure. I think he's on my site too. He was using it um, six months and he had scarring, acne scarring, and it really started shifting. And now it's been even longer and I'm trying to get another picture of him because it's been over a year and um, he's changed dramatically. So, you know, and I get lazy myself. I mean, here I have everything on my counter and I get lazy because I'm a mom and I get tired and then I start, you you know, getting really good about my regimen and I'm like, oh my God, it does work. That's right. (laughs) I I forget myself. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if anybody wants to try the trial kit or use your code, they'd get an, a nice discount. And then if they want to even be a before and after model, they can just reach out to me. So the name of the company is Halo, but it's it's spelt different. It's H-E-I-L-O. And we have an accent over the E to make it an A sound. And I created that name not realizing what the internet, Ooh. SEO, all of that. So it's H-E-I-L-O skincare.com and it's the same H-E-I-L-O skincare for Instagram as well. And I'll definitely be linking everything in the show notes as well. Um, What is the uh, documentary, if someone wants to look it up, what is the documentary that we can look it up under? I wish I had it done. So I have attempted a few times to look at the footage and it, it always made me cry. So we are in the process of going to edit it and we're actually looking for some editors um, that just understand our story because I think we just need to hand it to somebody um, because it's very hard for me to sit there. But if you go on to to see, um, they did a commercial on us for um, Little Remedies, that clean um, medicine line for babies. Oh, okay. Uh Um, It's kind of a trailer of our story. And it's Say Yes to Less Doubt, which is on YouTube as well. They put Say Yes to Less Doubt. But on my Instagram page, Andre, it's P-A-I-G-E-A-N-D-R-E-E. It's in my profile. They just click on it and they can see the story. But I really do need to edit it. Okay. Well, I'll definitely link up all your information too. So if there's an editor out there, you can definitely reach Paige. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Paige. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.